begin by recognizing we're on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking people. Thank you uh, very much for joining us this morning for this uh, uh, rather urgently called uh, uh, press conference. Uh, as you know, I recently received uh, Dr. Peter German's second report. It uh, was my expectation at the time that I received it that uh, we would be releasing uh, the full report certainly uh, in the spring and we would be able to release certain chapters earlier than others, but I certainly didn't expect that we would be releasing anything this quickly. The reason for um, uh, the urgent release of this particular chapter is that in my opinion it reveals a very concerning piece of information about why it is in part We've seen so few investigations and prosecutions of money laundering in BC, despite there being a widely recognized problem, an international problem, of large-scale money laundering taking place, especially in Metro Vancouver. And the particular piece of information that uh, Dr. German's team has uh, apparently uncovered is that despite uh, two years of headlines about this issue, that there are apparently uh, no federally funded, uh, dedicated police officers working on money laundering in British Columbia. It is a startling piece of information, and it's an obviously troubling piece of information. I wanted for the public uh, and uh, for the federal government, and perhaps even for the RCMP, uh, to know what is happening in terms of the large-scale money laundering that appears to be happening to our provincial economy, and the answer is what is happening is uh, apparently uh, very little, if anything. Now, in response to this, um, we're asking for the federal government to do a couple of things. One is they recently announced some new resources for money laundering in the budget, uh, which was an important announcement. Um, but our interactions with the feds were based on the idea that there were already some resources working in British Columbia. So um, given the scale of the crisis that we face, that we're internationally recognized for the Vancouver model of money laundering, uh, that the resources uh, in the budget should immediately come to British Columbia. And the second is, given that we know that the money launderers are here, uh, that they're already rich, they're already expert, and they're clearly better resourced, uh, we need to not start from scratch on this. Uh, we need for the people who come to British Columbia, the police officers who come to British Columbia to have experience, and that there should be effort to recruit people with experience and expertise in this area to come and work on it urgently in British Columbia. Now, um, I don't have a lot more to say because there's really not a lot more to say about it, except that this is incredibly disturbing. And I think that any British Columbian who's been paying attention, and frankly any Canadian who's been paying attention to the problems we face in this province, uh, will be incredibly surprised to hear this news. Um, I've invited Dr. German along uh, to share a few words uh, with you today about his finding and, and also to be available to answer more technical questions about the structure of the RCMP, the structure of the unit, and how he uncovered this information. And I'll turn, I'll turn it over to him. He's available for questions as well, as will I. Thank you, Minister. Thanks, Minister. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'll just make a few uh, very uh, brief comments um, to amplify what the Minister said. Uh, really, uh, this all comes from the RCMP itself. We simply asked a few questions about uh, what their resourcing was, both uh, their federal and provincial business lines, with respect to 
money laundering. How many dedicated resources do you have working money laundering? And the answer uh, with respect to the federal uh, business line was 25 positions plus one civilian analyst. Question number two, how many of them are staffed? 11 met with the RCMP. Question number three, what are the 11 doing? I was told that really it's only five due to training, illness, various issues. And uh, last question, what are the five doing? And they're referring cases to civil forfeiture, which is to the Provincial Civil Forfeiture Office. Net result, uh, no federal resources. There's a long history, as the minister alluded to, um, uh, why I believe the RCMP have got themselves into this position. Um, but that, uh, that's for uh, questions or anything else that you might want afterwards. Thank you. Okay, we will take questions. Uh, just raise your hand. I'm going to start with Vaughn, then I'm going to go to Richard, and then I'll go to Les. You said recently that one of your concerns in all this addressing the issue of money laundering was political accountability. You met recently with your federal counterpart on this matter. Did he tell you that was a situation regarding staffing? And do you think the federal government, the federal liberal government, is accountable for this lapse in uh, staffing on this issue out here in B.C.? Uh, I... I find it remarkable uh, that after two years of headlines on this story that there are no uh, dedicated federal RCMP officers working on money laundering in British Columbia. Um, and I'm not here today to point the finger uh, because it could well be uh, that the federal government uh, believed that there were 26 federally funded positions in British Columbia. We don't know. Um, and that they were adding to those positions. Uh, we did give Bill Blair an advanced copy of this uh, chapter on Friday, uh, so he's had it. Um, we've given the RCMP a heads up that we would be sharing this information. And it may be that the RCMP wanted to have more officers in this section, but they couldn't because of austerity measures from 2012. You'll see in the report there's some detail from Peter German about that. What I really want to come out of this is for there to be, obviously, a significant uh, shift in how law enforcement around this issue is approached at the federal level, namely that we need police officers dedicated to this file. And whether the issue is funding, whether the issue is uh, uh, management, whether the issue is whatever it is, uh, there is simply no excuse for there being no police officers at the federal level dedicated to this issue. And a follow-up? Can you or Mr. German explain how it works with apportionment of resources and assignments between the provincial government and the federal government sure. dealing with the RCMP? Because the province has a contract, and, but it, uh, from what you're saying, it doesn't seem to control all of the matters involving resources. Yeah, maybe a, I think that's a better question for Dr. Germany. He's uh, quite expert in that. So really, uh, the RCMP has three business lines, federal, provincial, and municipal. The provincial is a contract with the province. It is your, BC's provincial police force. And then there are municipal contracts and the municipal business line. The federal business line is separate entirely. Uh, the province has no control over the federal business line. That's mandated, national priorities, and so forth. And one of the issues that you will see here is that around 2013, uh, the RCMP abolished its specialized proceeds of crime section. Uh, there were a lot of reasons for it. One of them was a move towards terrorism investigations, a restructuring of the federal business line. But that is entirely uh, a federal issue. Uh, in terms of the province, uh, the province deals with the provincial contract, uh, provincial business line, and then there's the municipalities. Right. Besides then, for example, these 26 positions, 
Yeah, well, when I, I suppose when you're down to five resources, what can five resources do when you're dealing with, you know, these are uh, very intense investigations, require specialists, cross-disciplinary, all sorts of things. So really the reason I asked the question, what are the five doing, is because from my prior experience, I'm wondering what five people can do in this area, not too much. And then the answer was, they're referring cases to civil forfeiture. Um, Richard? There's been no shortage of information going to the feds about what's going on here. You've had meetings, there's been a huge amount of public pressure, there's been a lot of reporting in the media, and still then they don't have enough officers. So should you just not call the public inquiry now, create some teeth in order to find people accountable, and then mandate action? Because obviously what's going on now isn't working in terms of providing action that people want to see to prevent money laundering from happening. Well, I think one of the benefits of uh, taking the approach that we've taken is we're getting uh, information like this out quite quickly. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the, the surprising, uh, startling, and deeply disturbing piece of information that there are no dedicated uh, federal police officers on this uh, issue of money laundering um, might have taken a while to come out in any kind of public inquiry process. But this information, uh, the full uh, German report, as well as the full report prepared for the Minister of Finance uh, by Maureen Maloney and, and international experts will be going to Cabinet and a decision will be made on a public inquiry uh, on that information. Are you worried that JIGIT has failed in, in what it was supposed to do in terms of cross-jurisdictional, considering we're seeing this lack of resources? Well, it's pretty clear um, from Dr. German's report uh, that JIGIT has been fully consumed with uh, with an investigation related to, uh, to the e-national investigation, that that has been their sole focus and, uh, and that has been the extent of their capacity. So one of the reasons why we asked Dr. German to do this work was to say what else can we do in terms of enforcement at the provincial level uh, and one of those things uh, today is to recognize that we need a lot more help from our federal partners. Uh, but there's more work and there's more information in the report about what we can do around enforcement at the provincial level. And uh, we're certainly uh, recognizing that we have an important role here to play as well. Les? You've got zero federally funded RCMP officers on money laundering, but you've got 16 provincially funded RCMP officers minus the three vacancies. Who, who cares who funds them? You've got 16 RCMP officers or 13 working on it. I don't get the distinction between the federal and the provincial, right. federal and provincially funded RCMP. So the zero RCMP officers working on money laundering, there's 13. Well, no, actually, uh, if you check your numbers, okay, in terms of the provincial business line, uh, there, there's the JIGIT, and the JIGIT has, I believe it's 27 in total uh, people on, on that unit. But the JIGIT is dedicated to casinos and money laundering and illegal gaming. So if it's not illegal gaming and if it's not money laundering and casinos, that's not part of their remit or their responsibility. So really, I think what we're saying is money laundering is a lot more than casinos. And obviously the issues we've looked at in this second review involve real estate, luxury cars, and, and so forth. Um, so that, that is the issue. You've got a provincial unit dealing with the casino money laundering. You've got nothing else out there right now.
And you ask the RCMP how many, and they say on paper 25. But it's not 25, it's 11. And then you ask about the 11, and it's not 11, it's 5. And the 5 are actually doing civil forfeiture slightly different. Uh, Referrals uh, to civil forfeiture. Yeah. yeah. Um, the polite word for that answer, I guess, is that it's kind of misleading. Um, was that like pulling teeth to get them out of that? Are they trying to ob obfuscate or... Uh, deny that they're, they're at zero, basically? Well, I simply asked the questions, you know, and it's like anything, you have to ask the right question. I think the right question was, how many positions, how many are staffed, what are they doing? And they answered the, the questions that I did ask. Uh, we're going to go to Keith, Sam Binder, and Rob Shaw. <coughs> uh, Mr. Attorney, just again, just what your plans are for the rest of this report. Is it, are we going to see this released chapter by chapter, or are you going to hopefully release the whole thing all at once? Uh, so my expectation is that we will be releasing the uh, luxury cars and horse racing chapters, and then the real estate chapter uh, takes a little bit will take a little bit longer. Uh, it's much lengthier. There are more uh, individual uh, cases involved, and so it'll be a little bit more challenging. We're also uh, coordinating release with the Ministry of Finance because they have their own separate report. Both those reports will be released at the same time to the public. So um, it, it uh, certainly wasn't my intention to do a piecemeal. Uh, uh, release of this report. Uh, this piece, uh, though, uh, seemed critically important to get out there, especially with the federal government making decisions about allocation of the budget announcement recently and an interest, frankly, in, from the federal government in this issue that might lead them to become more involved in figuring out how we get more police officers on the ground here on the issue of money laundering. Now, it, um, if I recall, it took more than two months to vet the privacy concerns with the original report, which is, I think, smaller than this current report. Uh, so does that mean that any decision on, on a public inquiry will have to wait at least that long, if not longer, in, in terms of being able to get this report vetted? No, my expectation is that the unvetted report will go to Cabinet, and Cabinet will make a decision. They won't be waiting for a final version of the report that will be released to the public. Bender? Um, Dr. German, I know you got these responses from the RCMP uh, by asking them the questions. Uh, how far do you think this goes back? Because this could be a snapshot in time now. But do you have concerns about how long there have not been any officers investigating this issue? Yeah. So my own personal background was in the financial crime world in the RCMP, and, and we did have dedicated commercial crime, proceeds of crime, and market enforcement teams. But like I say, there was a restructuring in 2013, and a lot of this, I believe, stems from that. Not to say things were perfect before, by any means, but the, the loss of dedicated teams and the specialists in 2013. Not to say there are no specialists left, but you don't have that same um, a core, uh, those core units. And uh, I think that uh, has uh, posed a lot of problems. Rob? Um, did you get an explanation from the RCMP why there are so many officers on civil forfeiture? I mean, we know from <clears throat> the idea of civil forfeiture that it's easier. Um, you know, you don't need a criminal conviction. It's a generates money for the province. Is there some provincial encouragement for the RCMP to be directing to civil forfeiture? Is there some reason because it's easier than a criminal prosecution, or, or why is that, do you think? So these uh, decisions about allocation of federal uh, RCMP officers are obviously made by the federal RCMP, and the provincial government isn't involved in those operational decisions. Uh, certainly there's a widespread recognition, and the Silver International case uh, is a good example, where the the criminal prosecution collapsed, and now the case is in civil forfeiture. 
that we've got some work to do uh, on the criminal side. And that was one of the questions that I asked Dr. German was, uh, why does it seem like we're having such difficulty investigating and prosecuting these cases and this information that he's provided uh, uh, to our office and ultimately to the public here today uh, is a partial answer to that question. Uh, and uh, we hope to have more information for the public soon about that. I guess I'm still just wondering if it's easier for police to focus, focus on civil forfeiture. They don't have to go through a prosecution. They don't have to reach a standard to charge a crime. They just have to use the BC law to essentially go after people without proving that they've done anything criminally. Is that, does it concern you at all that that, that is tempting for police to do? Uh, it, it is uh, profoundly uh, concerning for me that uh, in the federal serious and organized crime unit that is supposed to be dedicated to money laundering, uh, the only apparent activity that's taking place is referrals to civil forfeiture because civil, civil forfeiture without criminal investigation and prosecution is, uh, is only one leg of the stool and the thing's going to fall over. Uh, so what we really need to have is essential, uh, essentially criminal investigation and prosecution uh, and then civil forfeiture is a complement to that. It is not uh, the entirety of it. I don't know if Dr. German has any... Uh... I think that's, that's precisely it. There's, there's a legitimate role for both, um, but not at this point we're just seeing it all lopsided on, on the one side, the civil. Okay, Justine? Just, you said the report was delivered to Bill Blair on Friday. Did you speak with him and did you get any kind of reaction from him, any indication that they're willing to... Were they surprised, I guess? No, I, uh, I didn't have a chance to uh, speak to Minister Blair yet. I do expect that I will be speaking with him uh, about this issue shortly. Uh, we wanted to give him uh, a heads up about the information uh, as early as we could uh, so that he could, uh, we hope, uh, take some action on that. Uh, Richard, then Les, and we'll wrap up Katie. Uh, Dr. German, there's obviously been concern out there about how slowly this process moves. Do you think there's enough here to satisfy the public's need in terms of your uh, latest report that there won't be the need for a public inquiry or any further uh, look into this? Yeah, I'm sorry, and Richard, how slow the process moves, what do you mean by yeah, what process? The fact that, you know, you had a report a year ago, like just the fact that we're seeing these reports come out slowly and the public wants to see action. and. I think, you know, as we now see one chapter today, we'll see more chapters coming, and I, I think people want to see something definitive and see some action going forward. Yeah, just in terms of timing, the only thing I would say is that uh, this was a six-month uh, report. Uh, we started uh, in October. We finished end of March. Um, I, I'm not too sure you could do it much faster, quite frankly, and, and produce something, you know, worthwhile, and I'm hoping that this is worthwhile. In terms of a public inquiry, that's really a decision for government. Yeah, so the, I mean, there, there are a couple of reasons to push this out early. Uh, the first is we know the federal government is making allocation decisions about where money is going to flow from the recent budget announcement. We know that we have a government uh, federally right now that's interested in this issue, or they say they are, and that means that uh, we have a window before an election to really press them to address these uh, chronic issues. And if we wait uh, a couple months or whatever it is, uh, that we might lose uh, that opportunity to actually shift federal policy on this. And uh, finally, uh, the reason why we commissioned this report was for the public to know what's going on 
And the answer that there's nothing going on is obviously one that the public deserves and needs to know. Les? What's the process for redaction while you're reviewing these chapters? And was this chapter redacted? And what will, um, will there be an accounting of what is redacted when these chapters start coming out? Um, so the process that we go through is uh, there's two key pieces. One is we don't want to interfere with any ongoing investigation. So there is a process where uh, the police have the opportunity to provide feedback if we're stepping too close to the line of an active investigation. Um, the second piece is there are a number of individuals, companies, and others that are named in the report, and good practice is to give them an opportunity to respond uh, to the report with respect to any inaccuracies or, or essentially their side of the story. This is a process that, uh, frankly, we had to develop uh, with the first report, and, and, uh, and now with this report, uh, we're in a much better position to roll it out more quickly. Uh, so I'm very hopeful that we'll have a, see a faster turnaround here. What we don't want to see is inaccurate information going out that uh, compromises someone's uh, reputation and results in litigation or apologies, these kinds of things. We want to make sure that the report is as accurate as it can be uh, and that people have an opportunity to respond and give their side of the story uh, before it's publicly released. Uh, I'm trying to think if we had any uh, uh, redactions in the first uh, report. Uh, we certainly did have examples of people providing their uh, feedback about their side of the story. Um, but uh, I can't recall if we had any actual redactions. There, there were very few. I, Peter might recall. Yeah, uh, both and in terms of the first report and, for example, this chapter, everything was referred back to me uh, because it was an independent review. And so any comments that came in were sent back to me uh, for consideration. And uh, I took, it's, it's, as far as I know, there was no redaction of the document that I finally submitted. Similarly, no redaction of what I submitted as final copy on this one. Katie? I'm short of waiting for the, the feds to actually uh, fund these RTMP officers. Is the province going to increase the number of provincially funded officers so that it can deal with these investigations quickly? Uh, one of the key questions we asked Dr. German is what more can we do on enforcement on this? What is the extent of the problem and how can we better uh, deal with enforcement? Uh, so that is uh, one of the key questions addressed by Dr. German in his report, what more can the province do? Uh, and so uh, that uh, uh, information is in front of uh, government right now, and we're already uh, taking steps to, in response to his report. And, and uh, did you get a response from, uh, from anyone in the RCMP about whether they can fill the positions that are vacant? Because presumably those are positions that are funded, they just don't have the staff. So how can they, how can they fix that issue within the RCMP? So uh, this is a good question. Uh, in the response to Dr. German, the RCMP said that these were federally funded positions. Um, and uh, so if they're funded, that means the money is there. Uh, uh, but Dr. German's explanation obviously focuses on the fact that uh, with uh, hold steady budgets for the RCMP, that they've been taking increased resources out of frontline officers and into other expense uh, lines. So maybe they aren't funded positions. But this, is, this will be part of the RCMP's uh, response, I'm sure, discussion about how this situation arose and a discussion with the federal government, uh, which is responsible for the federal RCMP. Last question is Dirk. Um, Minister, I was going to ask the sort of the same thing. If you could put forward an RCMP dream team on this, how many, how many officers should be on this file federally and, and, and how quickly? Uh, well, that's actually um, one of the reasons why we brought in uh, Dr. German is I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not an expert in allocation of, of uh, police resources, but perhaps Dr. German has a, has a magic number and said I'll turn it over to him. 
I think maybe we're getting ahead of the rest of the report on that one, uh, but it's, it's not just about people, it's about the types of people, it's also about structure and how you put it all together. Great. Thanks, everybody.